You are listening to the podcast from Mosaic Church. Stay tuned after it for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. Yeah, how about that? I love that. Welcome to Back to School Sunday again. Once more, my name is Morgan. I'm a lead pastor here at Mosaic Church. And as you can see this year, our theme is making a comeback because as we all know, man, it's been a tough go for educators and for students, especially over the last year and a half. But we believe God's got good things in store for uh, for all of us. And so today, whether you're a student, whether you're a parent, whether you're single, we're going to be talking about how you can actually, we believe you can make a comeback right in the middle of your your moment right in the middle of your circumstance and triumph over it all in the end. But to help us get in that space and especially to help us feel how our students and educators are processing this moment, we're going to be doing a number of things today. First, you're going to be hearing from a panel of students all right here from Mosaic Church uh, from elementary up into college with Every Nation Campus. It's going to be a video panel that you'll hear in just a moment. And then secondly, right after that, you'll have a live panel right here on the stage comprised, again, Mosaic members, but of educators from across the Austin area, and we'll introduce those folk when they get here. And then finally, I'll come back at the end, talk to you for for a few moments, and then yeah, we might just have a couple of surprises before we're done. So, are you ready? All right, hey, let's take a look at the screen and hear how our students right now are making a comeback as they go back to school. My name is Phoebe. Hi, my name is Judah. Hi, I'm Malachi Jacobs. Hello, I'm Jenna. I'm in fifth grade. I'm in eighth grade. And I'm a senior at Westwood High School. I'm a third year human development major at UT Austin. The hardest thing I experienced from the lack of in-person school was probably not being able to see people. I'm a very social person. One of my best friends has a low immune system and he wasn't able to go to school last year. He had to be online all year. Um, sadly, I lost some of the like new friends I had made during freshman year. And it was really hard um, just like being able to form really good relationships freshman year and then uh, being forcefully disconnected. Whenever my network would fail, I would get really mad or I'd get sad because I won't be able to do things. Seeing my friends not happening, going out just to see people, period, not happening. It was seeing people through a screen, but it slowly died down to the point where people didn't want to show themselves to the screen. Like exams at home, I feel like is very distracting, especially like if my parents forget that I'm taking an exam, they just like walk into the room of like with food and be like, why are you so quiet? Like I'm taking an exam, mom. Having to be home and my brother budging in while I'm in class. Always wearing masks and like not being able to move around. A high from this past school year um, was that I was able to gain stronger spiritual relationships with my family, my parents and my brother. Because I uh, was doing virtual school and I got to go to Kenya. The aspect of being able to do anything you wanted but within the house was fun because I like video games. I like tech. I think um, I was able to get to know a lot of people and because um, we weren't moving around in every class, we were always in the same class. So I got a lot of friends. 
stay at home with my parents and they really stepped up as the shepherds of my family um, and was able to lead me uh, through my faith and all the changes that were going on the past um, or the first couple of months. It was fun because when it's morning over there and it's night here, I don't have to do anything really. So I'd have my playtime with the children there. A low for the school year, I would say, is the jarring transition. I feel as if this past year was very fast-paced and very different from this upcoming school year. Just going to class in person and seeing professors, um, I feel now that I'm a junior, even though I was a freshman going through the pandemic, I feel very rushed uh, preparing to graduate. The thing is right now that it doesn't feel like school. Like it's school, but doesn't feel like school. There's silence in the classes. The interaction is like subpar from kids. They feel more unexcited, but excited. They just don't know how to react to everything. Like they literally have lost all their social skills. The food was so much better during virtual school. A high for this upcoming school year, I feel is reconnecting with my community. Um, being able to just stay here, having more stability, it not being too unexpected anymore, and uh, just being able to reconnect face to face and in person. Be able to laugh with my teachers and my friends. We play football, we play catch. Mostly just hanging out with my friends at school and being able to take classes in person. If change does happen to just uh, reach out. Find community within your classrooms and within your school. Stay anchored in faith and that uh, God is wherever and waiting wherever you are heading towards. Yeah, amen. Hey, give him a hand. Thank you, Phoebe, Jacob, Malachi, and Jenna. Appreciate you all very much. So yeah, with me on the stage, as you can see, is a number of educators across Austin in various educational yeah, environments. And the reason I feel like it's important for us to hear from them is because, you know, it's one thing to hear something on the news, soundbite, news story headline about how schools or districts are going or not going. And it's another thing altogether to hear from administrators, educators, professionals themselves right in the mix, uh, doing the hard work as it, what it takes right now to minister in our, in our tough moments. So uh, I'm excited to hear from them. I think you will be too. Let me introduce them all really quick to you. Here we go to my left, your right. This is Leal Anderson. He is the athletic director for Austin Independent School District. Uh, yeah, okay, well, we're gonna do it one at a time, all right. This is Mary Hobbs. She's a middle school counselor in Round Rock Independent School District at Cedar Valley Middle School. Randy Harris, she's the campus technologist at Leander High School in Leander Independent School District. Go Lions. Dr. Terrence Green is an associate professor at the University of Texas of education and leadership, leadership and education policy. And finally, our very own Alyssa Jacobs. She's our assistant children's minister here at MKids at Mosaic. 
be asking them a couple of questions and I can't wait to hear from them. So thank you all for being here. What a great time we had our first service and expect it to be great again. So let's start off with you, Leal. Obviously you oversee a lot of schools, coaches, programs, give leadership. You do a great job, by the way, juggling that tension of keeping kids safe and keeping them on the field. Um, But what's been, here's our first question for our panelists. What's the biggest challenge you're facing right now in your position? So what would you say is your biggest challenge right now? Well, thank you, Morgan, for that, and thank you for your leadership as well and just allowing for this panel to be here today. I would just, first of all, say, you know, just overall the weight and the challenge of all the decisions that I may have to make on a daily basis is there. And, uh, you know, we provide an opportunity for kids, but even going back for me, um, I'm a coach, and I coached before becoming into this position as an athletic director. And uh, when you coach kids, you spend a lot of time with kids. And, uh, you know, I got a, you know, sometimes kids will come back and in town and we'll go to lunch and visit and just have that relationship and connection with them. And I know I got a call just uh, last week um, from one of my former players that told us, told me about uh, one of his teammates, a kid that I coached in high school that had passed away. Mm. And uh, it was just a very sad time, a very emotional time. Uh, again, when you think about how much time you spend with the kids in high school, they're really like a, a son to me. And to feel that loss on top of all the other weight that I have to, you know, on a daily basis carry was, was quite uh, detrimental and, and hurtful. So it's just a, a sad time. We're still working through some of that now, uh, but that's been very hard. Well, I, of course, know you and your family uh, for a number of years. Just appreciate your heart, Leal, in giving leadership to a lot of coaches and programs and students. And I hope you hear, like, I'm in a father's heart is at the very center of what AISD is doing to try to help and serve and coach and lead athletes. So thank you for that. Uh, thank you for the weight that you carry, the great job that you do. We appreciate you. How about, how about you, Mary? Middle school counselor, wow, right in the middle of everything right there at Cedar Valley. What would you say is your, uh, is your biggest challenge right now? Um, so many of you already know that middle school is tough years as it is, right? So if you think about um, elementary and high school, they only spend three years in middle school. And so, you know, trying to find themselves, you know, identify who they really are, those are some tough challenges. Um, So this year, what I've really noticed has been really hard for our students is just the loss of relational skills. Um, You know, so two years ago, I could walk in the cafeteria and I could see a group of friends sitting together. And this year, I have kids that don't even want to show up in the cafeteria. Um, Just before school starts, we have kids who come to the very last minute um, before they arrive to school. And sometimes I have to go to their cars and help them and encourage them to get inside of the building. So, you know, you add high anxiety and you add depression on there and it's it's a load, um, you know, and it's really hard for our students. Um, And it's hard for our staff members as well. I know sometimes I tend to take those home with me. Um, you know, just the struggles that they're dealing with. Um, But, you know, trying to also find just some coping skills that are healthy for them and um, making sure that not only that they feel safe at school, but they're wanting to come back the next day. 
Well, I appreciate you saying that. Obviously, being a counselor, you're in, in a you're sort of like the pastor, <laughs> a minister to your campus, and so you're you're carrying everybody's weight in addition to trying to process and navigate your own. So, thank you for doing that, being faithful day in day out to make your campus a great space, a safe space, healthy space for everybody. Appreciate you very much, Randy. Uh, Randy, you do. Uh, we know, of course, you uh, from helping even some of our kids at Leander High School, but uh, you really exist. Your position exists to help serve everybody in terms of technology getting everybody in a position to succeed and having a platform for success. So thank you for your work. But talk about your your biggest challenge in in that role right now. Well, this pandemic has meant that change is on the horizon at all times. So week to week, day to day, but even minute to minute, like you never get your footing under you. And I I appreciate a really good food analogy. So that's (laughs) what I bring to you today. It's like, imagine you're going through a buffet line and it's like the most impressive buffet line you've ever seen. And you figure out what you've got your heart set on and you want the mashed potatoes and the meatloaf. And they go to put that on your plate and oops, we're all out of that. Um, but here, let me load you up with lasagna. And, but they, it isn't just that. You keep going down the line and they just keep heaping things on your plate. And it never stops. And you, you finally get to your seat and so you can start eating and they keep coming and they keep putting things on your plate because there's, everybody needs more and more and more and you can't ever get to the end of what, the, what you have to do, what, what needs to be done. And on top of that, everyone around you is dealing with the same thing. So everybody is at their wits end. Everybody, their emotions are you know, strung out and you know, a technology problem, that's just one more thing, one more thing on their plate that's overrunning. Well, thank you for your patience and your grace with all the parents and kids solving their problems and setting them up for success. It's actually, it's a crucial role, so thank you for doing that so well. Yeah, Dr. Green down there at University of Texas, I heard they had a good day yesterday. That may or may not be true. Um, and, you know, Austin, I don't know, where, where, where are we? Um, yeah, UT had a great game. They won, of course, Randy left out her joke about the University of Houston, her son played at Texas Tech, all of that. So they, they that's right, thank you. I see that Colby out there with the sun's up, guns up. Anyway, um, but Dr. Green, back to you. We're having a panel here, I think I've heard. So Dr. Green, talk about your, your most challenging uh, moment or obstacle you're facing right now at, at, at UT. Yeah, so I wanna thank you for creating this space and for us to have this panel. And um, I definitely affirm everything that folks have said and totally echo that. I think one of the biggest challenges that I've uh, been dealing with this year is working with district leaders, building level leaders of principals, and also classroom teachers around the current um, education policy context that we're coming into, right? I'm not sure if you know, but there has been over 20 states that have put forth uh, legislation and some have passed it. Uh, particularly here in Texas, House Bill 3979 and uh, SB3, which limits the discussion and conversation about issues around race and gender and discrimination and the history uh, of this country, which is vitally important because you don't want schooling to be a place where you get misinformation and half-truths, right? Um, And then you can't even talk about some current events, which, you know, everybody talking about it, but then I come to school, I gotta act like it doesn't exist. So that's created challenges for a lot of teachers and and school leaders of how do you navigate that. Similarly, um, there's been a conversation all across the country um, around critical race theory and and what is it and the use, the alleged use of it in schools. And I've 
had the opportunity to have a lot of conversations with uh, very lay folks. Uh, had to talk to some uh, business folks uh, on Friday that were super interested in the topic. And it's almost like you having a conversation at times with someone, you know it's 66 books in the Bible, but they're gonna argue with you. No, it's 67 books up in that mug. It's 60, I told you, the 67 book is the book of Mosaic. You're like, where, where'd that come from? <laughs> well, there's a church called Mosaic and somebody said it. It's the same thing. Like, Critical race theory is not being taught in school. Well, how do you know? Well, somebody said it, and there's a theory called critical race theory. And it's like, well, did you read the Bible, All right? Um, and so it's been a profound opportunity to enter into those spaces with grace, mm -hmm. but also with truth. Um, and so having those conversations have been difficult, but needed, and I'm grateful for the opportunity. Well, thank you for doing that. Uh, thank you for, for clarifying that for sure. And for, as we know you to be a person who deeply loves Jesus, most of all, and who's able to be that presence uh, and light in the community at the University of Texas. I did campus ministry there for many years. I'm, yeah, come on. I'm so thankful uh, for godly Christ-centered thinkers uh, and professors there on campus. So you're, you're a gift to the, really the whole community. So thank you, Dr. Green. Uh, and, and finally, uh, Alyssa Jacobs, of course, is here with your kids, our kids, week in and week out, receiving them, loving them, uh, working in Christian education, essentially. So Alyssa, what, what would you describe as your, your biggest challenge right now? Well, our biggest challenge, my biggest challenge is balance. And um, it's been an interesting challenge for this year because the equilibrium of last year does not carry into this year right now. The weights that we carry, they just need to be adjusted. And as you can see from my other panelists up here, that's exactly what's happening right now in every single space that we're in. And that's life, right? We are all looking for balance and we're adjusting and we're adapting and we're evaluating and then we're seeking stability. And that goes for parents and educators, administrators and your students in this room right now too. Um, and just when we get a glimpse of balance, a new weight comes back on. And so, um, for, for M kids, it's M kids online and M kids in person and carrying that weight to make sure your kids feel safe and seen, but get to experience Jesus no matter where they are, whether they're home or here. It's my four kids at home, I'm carrying that balance too. And as they're dealing with depression and anxiousness for their future and just wanting to connect as my son Malachi said in the video, um, it's your kids, the ones that um, don't get to go to school in person because the doctor doesn't know how their little body and their diagnosis will be able to handle COVID and they have to grieve that loss. It's the ones that do get to go to school and we're so happy to see their faces, but they wake up every morning, they walk the hallways, they sit in the classrooms and then they wonder if their teacher is gonna show up. And it's seeking that stability and that balance. And for me, it's the need to be able to lament and the need to be able to rejoice for my own heart. It's balance and it's important and it's super challenging to get to right now. Yeah, I appreciate you vocalizing that. Really, of course, as Christian people, that is a, a significant tension for us all to manage, the need to both do the Bible disciplines of lament 
and yet rejoicing, right? So thank you for that. Uh, having sort of problematized and heard about all the challenges across education, let's flip it to the other side. I want to hear about some bright spots because God is doing some amazing things, great things, great stories happening all across districts and schools and certainly here at Mosaic too. So how about that, Lil? We'll, of course, we'll start with you. What would you say is a, a big bright spot, great story for you right now? Sure. Uh, so just last week, um, I was at a football game, and uh, we have a coach there that I got a chance to be on a panel to help hire at one of our schools uh, in Austin ISD. And, uh, you know, our coaches, they go through, uh, it's not easy dealing with the pandemic and trying to keep kids healthy and safe and put them out on the field. And as hard as they work all the time, the long hours to be out there on the field. Uh, well, this coach, it was his first time being a head coach. And that's a big deal as you're working as an assistant coach, wanting to work up and move up in your career. Uh, so this was uh, this coach's first time being a head coach. And I got a chance to be at his game, his very first game and they won the game. And I got a chance to go out on the field after the game and, and visit with him and tell, you, tell him, you know, Coach, congratulations, I'm so proud of you, and you did a great job. And you could just tangibly feel the excitement from the team and the fans and everyone being there and getting a chance to play a game that they love. And I got a chance to meet, uh, you know, his family out there, his wife and his son. And his son is almost five years old, and uh, he was just so happy to be out there with his dad and so ecstatic. And they had a kind of a gold chain they put on him and he was <laughs> running around with his dad and so happy. And to see that enjoyment and excitement was just awesome. It was really great. And, and to make it even you know, better, if you rewind about four and a half, five years ago when this coach was an assistant, he came into my office. And the, the, his son that I got a chance to meet out on that field that, that night for the first time, well, he shared with me about four and a half years ago, his son was born prematurely and he had tubes put in him to you know, help him breathe and help him eat and all those kind of things. And he was in the hospital for several weeks as he was you know, trying to put on weight. And, and, and so we were just so fortunate uh, for him to be alive. And he showed me a picture. I still remember it. He came into my office and he wanted me to pray for him and we did. Wow. And he showed me a picture of his son born prematurely. And for me to see him on that field celebrating that first victory with his dad, uh, first time was just tremendous. Yeah, what a great story. Yeah, and uh, what, uh, what what school was that? You want to shout them out? A Aikens High okay, School. Okay, the Eagles. Yeah, very good. Uh, very good. All right, how about you, Mary, a middle school counselor? What's been a big bright spot for you in the middle of all the challenges? Of course. So the biggest thing, the celebration that I love seeing is the students in the hallway. Um, you know, and I'd like to just take the time to thank the parents. I know that that wasn't a tough um, and easy decision for you to um, say that you were gonna bring your child back to our campus, but you thought about it and you trust us, each of our staff members, each of our teachers, and I just have to say thank you again. Um, we know that you are bringing your love, your best uh, pride and joy to us, and we are doing everything that we possibly can to make sure that they are going to be safe on campus. I've stepped into some classrooms. I know that they are having some engaged lessons. The first week of school, they already started doing some projects in there. So those are some exciting things. Um, thank you for your prayers. We are feeling them. We are definitely hearing them too. And whatever God is leading on your heart, please continue to do that. Um, we, we really need you. You guys are a part of the school committee. And so I just wanna say thank you again for that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Mary. Well said, for sure. 
How about, how about you, Randy, in the middle of all, man, the people calling in and need this and need that, like right now, right? Because it's always right now. Uh, they need it. What's, what's been a bright spot for you? So celebrations is my opportunity to actually gloat about Houston being Red Raider country. Oh my gosh. <laughs> But there it is. In all seriousness, I taught for 10 years before I started this role, and I had to grieve leaving the classroom because I loved it. And uh, I have um, an intern program where kids are in my class, and they work for me. And it's vital because they helped me do my job, and I really couldn't do it without them, but I had to last year because I didn't have any kids. So I have five kids, which means I get to relationship build, I get to mentor, I get to invest in them while they help me. But one of, we do a lot of sowing as as educators. We don't always get to see um, the reaping. But one of my former interns just got hired as a full-time employee bilingual help desk in Leander ISD. And that is a huge celebration. Very cool. She loved that. Uh, someone involved in education has got an eye and a mind for the next generation. So thank you for being that at all times, no matter where you are. Uh, no matter where you are, Randy. How about you, Dr. Green? What's a, what's a, a big bright spot for you right now? Uh, I definitely say, even in the midst of everything, you know, that we've, we've spoken about in terms of challenges, that... God is still moving in very profound and powerful ways. I mean, the opportunities to pray with people, the opportunities to minister, the opportunity to be an ambassador. This, I mean, it don't feel like it most days, but this is like <laughs> the most exciting time to be alive, like writing history, shaping the future. And also with that, I'm often reminded of this, this famous quote from Frederick Douglass. He talks about uh, what's needed is not light, but fire. Not the rain, but the thunder. What's needed is a reckoning. And I feel like we're in the middle of a reckoning where people are profoundly and radically reimagining how do we create an education system that works for every single child and it doesn't marginalize you based on your race or your ethnicity or your gender or your, your immigration status, or your native tongue. And so it's powerful to be living in a moment where God is moving and to slow down in the midst of everything and to be an ambassador for Christ. Yeah. So. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Green. Well said. About you, Alyssa. Thanks again. I mean, we, our, our, our parents and kids are so thankful for you. I know your smile every week. You, you put it on and you're back there and receiving kids of all ages, new parents, new kids every single week. So yeah, what's a, what's a bright spot for you? Well, that's exactly why there's a smile on my face because my bright spot is you. Um, they, we get the amazing, fortunate blessing to have our third, fourth, and fifth graders in here today. And I know a lot of you are feeling that as parents right now. But your third, fourth, and fifth graders and your elementary students, especially for me, are a bright spot for me. It's Isaac in the back, I see you, and Nathan, and Luke. You guys are bright spots. You're made in the image of God, and you shine into my life. It's also the parents that are in this room that you're praying for us and you're coming alongside of us. And it's my friends in here that are wearing MKids t-shirts just like this. And you go back into the classrooms every Sunday with us. You guys are a bright spot. Not only just for me, but for our whole entire church. What you do is just amazing. And I wish I could encourage you in that every single day of how much you bless us. And so my bright spot is you. I'll see you, Pastor Morgan. Oh, gosh. 
Thank you. Thank very you. kind. Very kind. Thank you. Well, I love the I love those shirts too. Those, I call those our superhero shirts. Woo woo. So some 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 churches may have Batman or Superman. I'll, I'll take M Kids Man, M Kids Woman. Uh, you all and M Kids who serve there are our heroes. So thank you for that. And, and can we just do one more thing? Can we, in just a moment, would you stand and give our, our all of our these panelists for sure, but our educators across the city, lots of more in our church, a big round of applause. You can stand on your feet, give them a hand. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Educators, teachers, administrators, for sure. Thank you all very much. Appreciate you. Very good. Very good. You all can, you all can be seated. They're going to make their way back to their seats. And thank you for being part of our, our doubleheader today. So nice. We did it twice. Very good. Thank you. Appreciate you, Calvin. Very good. So we'll talk to you for a few minutes about something that I really love, and that's, that is this, I really love a good comeback story. Kind of part of what we're doing today. And even if you're here and you'd say, you know what, I don't know about that. Like I'm a little, I'm a little cynical about life. Those things seem too good to be true or, you know, kind of overplayed or whatever. I think that actually, even if that is you, I think that deep down all of us maybe really actually love a good comeback story. And here's why. Because we hope, we want to believe that maybe that kind of story could be true of us if we really needed it in our deep, dark moments. One of my favorite comeback stories is the story of a man by the name of Bernie Marcus. Bernie was a son of a poor Russian cabinet maker in New Jersey. And in 1978, he was fired from a do-it-yourself retail store called Handy Dan. So what do you do if you're fired from Handy Dan? Well, if you're Bernie Marcus, you team up with your buddy Arthur Blank and you go into business for yourself and you open a little store in Atlanta, Georgia that you may have heard of. It's called this. It's called, yeah, the Home Depot. And now you've got stores all over the world and your net worth, well, it's not doing too shabby. That's what you call making a comeback. How about the story of Wilma Rudolph? She was the 20th of 22 children. She was born prematurely. The doctors told her parents that she likely wouldn't live, but she did. But then at the age of four, she contracted double pneumonia and scarlet fever, which left her paralyzed in her left leg. She wore a metal brace on it, but at age nine, she decided to remove the brace and she learned to walk. At age 13, she developed this kind of rhythmic walk that the doctors termed a miracle. And that same year at age 13, Wilma Rudolph decided to become a runner. She entered a race and finished dead last. <laughs> As a matter of fact, for the next few years in every single race in which she entered, she finished dead last. Everyone told her to quit, but Wilma Rudolph just loved to run. And one day she actually won a race and then another and then another and then eventually Wilma Rudolph, the little girl who was told she would never walk again, eventually won not just one, but three Olympic gold medals. And she's famous for saying this, quote, the triumph can't be had without the struggle. I think that's what's called making a comeback. What about Thomas Edison, huh? He was kicked out of school because his teachers couldn't figure out what to do with him. The teachers told his mother he was too slow to learn. So guess what his mama did? 
She homeschooled him. Come on, homeschooled parents, right? Thomas Edison's mom homeschooled him. By the age of 10, he'd already set up his own chemistry lab right there in the house. Of course, he goes on to become one of our nation's most famous inventors, the light bulb, the phonograph, the kinetoscope, and then he synchronized these and he started making movies. One of the first movie makers, he made the first version live action of Frankenstein, and now you know. That's called making a comeback. How about Franklin Delano Roosevelt, FDR, was paralyzed at the age of 39 by polio, confined to a wheelchair. And if you ever wonder why you mostly ever only see photographs of him from the waist up, it's because he, again, was paralyzed. This is a a rare photograph of him in a wheelchair. And yet, he went on to become one of the most beloved, influential politicians in the U.S. history. President elected four times, led us through most of World War II. That's what's called making a comeback. Young man from Mobile, Alabama by the name of Lonnie Johnson, whose mother never graduated from high school. She grew up picking cotton in the summer. He became one of our nation's greatest scientists. As a boy, he was always doing science experiments. And this is a true story. He set his own house on fire cooking up rocket fuel in a saucepan in the kitchen as a boy. Yeah, he eventually graduated from Tuskegee Institute, went on to work for the U.S. Air Force and NASA and created the power source for the Galileo mission to Jupiter. But what you may not know about him is because as a kid, uh, because his family had no money, his father was always teaching him and his sister to how to make their own toys. And so as an adult, when Lonnie wasn't sending folks into space, He invented the super soaker water gun and the original modern Nerf gun. Talk about overcoming the odds. He's doing okay financially as well. A young man from Bolivia immigrated to the U.S. as an adult, taught himself English as an adult, went to college. Then he became a teacher at Garfield High School in Los Angeles full of struggling Latino students. And he promised them that if they learned math, they could succeed at anything in life. And he started teaching calculus to students no one thought could learn. He was opposed at every turn by his own administration. Mostly, true story, for showing up early and staying late. He basically outworked him. And he raised funds on his own to pay for their AP exams. And he forbade students from playing sports if they couldn't carry a C average. He wouldn't even let them into the classroom if they couldn't answer the homework question. And finally, one of his students said, I guess if he wants to teach us that bad, we can learn. And eventually, so many of, yeah, you may know his name, Jaime Escalante's students, eventually so many of his students passed the AP calculus test that his life and story were made into a movie called Stand and Deliver. Talk about helping others make a comeback. Five years before J.K. Rowling published Harry Potter, she was living on welfare as a single mother. About that. Her manuscript was rejected 12 times by different publishers until one finally took a chance on her. And I bet they're glad that they did. Her books have sold more than 500 million copies. And she famously wrote this, quote, it is not our abilities that show what we truly are. It's our choices. She chose to make a comeback. How about this one? On the last play of the game, on Don't All Good Stories Start That Way, on November 23rd, 1984, Boston College quarterback, come on, Doug Flutie, yeah, playing for the only Division I school that recruited him. He threw a 70-yard pass as time expired into the end zone, caught by his own roommate, you can't make this stuff up, named Gerard Fallon, and Doug Flutie ended up not only winning the Heisman Trophy that year, he went on to play in the NFL, where one year... He won 
wait for it, (laughs) the NFL's comeback player of the year. And yeah, he also ended up on a Wheaties box for his college heroics. Not bad for a guy who stands only five foot nine and was told he was too short to play in college, let alone the NFL. I want to tell you, the experts don't always know. And finally, Ted Nyoy was an up and coming army officer in Cambodia in 1975 when the Khmer Rouge came through and took over put many of his family, his countrymen to death. And he and his wife lost everything. They escaped to the U.S. with nothing but the clothes on their back. And they were initially taken in in the U.S. at Camp Pendleton in Southern California. Then their family was sponsored by a local church, by a Lutheran pastor who gave Ted his first job just cleaning the church. And Ted learned English. He worked three jobs. And one of them was learning how to make donuts. And he was so successful at being a businessman and a a donut baker that he he saved his money. Uh, He opened his own store and he single-handedly for years was so successful that he kept Dunkin' Donuts out of the whole market in Southern California. Uh, And he he gave jobs to hundreds of Cambodian immigrants who came over as well, became a multimillionaire and was the friend of presidents. But his greatest comeback was still to come because Ted actually lost everything his fortune, his money, his friends, his store, his reputation, his family, to a gambling addiction. He couldn't give it up. And he was basically homeless. And while he was in that position, Ted met Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, he said, monks can't help me. Buddhism can't help me. But he found out that Jesus could. The seed sown by a Lutheran pastor decades before bore fruit in Ted's life. And cred, Ted credits his true freedom now. Freedom from gambling and his reconciliation with his family to his Christian conversion. And a documentary has been made about his life. You can watch it. It's a great story. It's called The Donut King. And Ted made not one, but two comebacks. There's some great comebacks in the Bible, aren't there? We know a thing or two about those. Joseph, right, went from the pit to the prison, became the prime minister of Egypt. Job came back from all his suffering and loss. John Mark came back from abandoning Paul on a missionary trip to being the writer of one of the four Gospels. Peter denied Jesus, ran away, cursed he knew him, and yet came back to preaching, uh, becoming the person to preach the very first sermon in church history on Pentecost, led that first church there in Jerusalem. And those are all incredible, but none of those, I think, are the world's greatest comeback. The greatest comeback in history was that of Jesus Christ. And if you disagree, you should go look on the Huffington Post because that's actually listed as the number one comeback in history. It's true. Looked it up this week. Yeah, he was crucified, Jesus, wasn't he? Publicly by the Roman Empire, buried publicly in a tomb that was guarded publicly by Roman soldiers. But he rose from the dead publicly, appearing to hundreds of eyewitnesses who in turn gave their lives for giving eyewitness testimony about it. And the, the Apostle Paul wrote much of the New Testament, himself another great comeback story. When he was standing trial for proclaiming the truth, the fact of the resurrection of the dead. In the court of King Agrippa, he said this in response to being questioned about Jesus' public comeback. He said this, he says, what I am saying, King Agrippa, is true. It happened. People saw it. It was public. The resurrection of Jesus is true and it's reasonable. The king is familiar with these things and I can speak freely to him. For I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. 
In other words, he's saying that the resurrection of Jesus was not something private. It was not something hidden. It wasn't made up. It was a public comeback. And so I want to tell you this today. Because of that public comeback, the comeback, the resurrection of Jesus, it's the faith on which all of our fact hangs. It's why we do what we do in MKIDS, middle school, high school, university, campus. Because of that comeback, I want to tell you, you can know this today. That one day, even despite death, for all those who trust in Jesus, the greatest comeback is still to come because the resurrection from the dead the bible calls it with jesus those who those who knew him they called him like the first fruits of what was happening in the world like when you see something bud on a vine or flower on a plant or, or a burst into into fruition on a tree you can know that more is on the way and so jesus yeah he's the first fruits of what's to come he's promised to take us raise us from the dead even to be with him in the life to come. And I, so I think that because of that, because of the past comeback of Jesus, I think because of the hope we have in the future comeback, a resurrection from the dead, that allows us right now, you right now, us today, to have hope in our present moment, even for a great comeback. Now, our comeback, your comeback, it may not be easy. It may not happen overnight. Very few great comebacks do. But there is hope for you to come back today. It might begin with something hard. That apology, taking responsibility, showing up on time, doing that thing. Maybe just have the courage to put one foot in front of the other every day. And yeah, yeah, you're saying, Morgan, but you don't know what I've been through. And you're right, I don't. And I know there's been great loss in your life. There's been great loss in my life. We have all felt that in this last season in our lives and country. But let me now ask you this. But doesn't the comeback of Jesus, the resurrection from the dead, Prove that what looks like, feels like, you could swear was permanent loss is something that can be turned into triumph. The answer to that question, by the way, is yes. It does prove that. Why? Because we serve the comeback king. We serve the comeback king, which means we are always a comeback people. And it means this is a comeback church. And so as we go back into our schools, we go back into our classrooms, you go back into your homes or your hybrid or your online or whatever, here's my encouragement to you. Don't quit. Don't quit, friend. Start that business. Invent that light bulb, throw that pass, throw away that brace, you know, climb that mountain, teach that class, write that paper that changes the world because we serve a comeback king. We're a comeback people, yeah, and you are a comeback person. I hope you can say amen to that. I'm gonna take a moment, we're gonna pray for us. Lord, I thank you for, to this day, I thank you for our educators first and foremost. We just give you praise and glory and thanks for them doing their best right now in a challenging moment. And we pray your blessing over them, we pray your favor over them, your strength, your energy, your health, yeah, your protection over them. Thank you for all those who serve our students and our community in such a way. And Lord, I pray you would be that light for them, maybe even when all other lights go out. So I thank you for our educators. And Lord, that we also thank you for our students. Thank you for the gift of their lives. Thank you for every preschool, elementary, middle school, uh, homeschool, high school, university, graduate student who's here today, part of our community. We pray a blessing over their lives. We thank you that their best is yet to come. Their best isn't behind them. It's just up ahead. Lord, I thank you for filling every student's heart today with faith that comes from knowing you, that if you came back from what you came back from, Lord, certainly today you can bring a resurrection and a hope and a comeback in their life and sure yeah man there's power in, in, in sickness that may have a certain level of power there certain level of power 
and fear and anxiety. But I thank you for your higher power. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that you're Lord. So I thank you for being that higher, greater, eternal power in their lives and in this church, in our families, in our home, in all God's people said, amen and amen. You guys ready? Thanks for listening. For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.